0: We are our own worst enemies, and oftentimes, sadly, and I see this a lot, we impose our own ceilings upon ourselves, and the human being, all of us, everybody within an of this podcast has got more in them than what they think they do, and if you just get outside of your comfort zone.
1: And hello, wherever you are. Thank you so much for choosing the Run the Race podcast, we know there are a lot of Choices to to listen to and watch on streaming services these days. So we appreciate you uh, joining the party here. I'm Jason Dennis, your host here on a weekly basis, talking about all things fitness and faith. And with uh, Father's Day just a few days from now, when we're recording this, uh, I thought we uh, could focus a little bit on a sport that uh, some of you love or hate golf and uh, we're going uh, to talk uh, to an expert on that a, a good friend of mine mark Emmelman an accomplished broadcaster golf coach former pro golfer and uh, talking about golf being back the PGA Tour we're now going to be in our second tournament this weekend and uh, gonna have some majors later this year hopefully he talks about uh, what it's like what it was like to to coach his younger brother Trevor winning the masters more than a decade ago uh, he's a South African turn American so he gives His perspective on race relations with everything going on nowadays with protests and everything else, he talks about his journey in golf and some different tips for folks, and and also how his Christian faith has shaped his roles on and off the golf course, including being a father of two daughters. Uh, with Father's Day coming up, he talks about fitness and um, how you really need to get involved with that. So we're going to hear from a uh, coach, Mark Immelman, also a PGA analyst and broadcaster, coming up in just a few minutes. And uh, speaking of fitness, um, you know, some folks think that maybe uh, you don't need to do a lot of weightlifting or cardio to Be a golfer. You go out there, swing a club. um, You know, walk down the course, or get on your uh, golf cart, like I uh, and and like I usually play in a in a golf cart. I usually don't walk the whole 18 holes, which is about four miles, give or take. But there's one pro golfer right now uh, that has actually gained 20 pounds of muscle, transforming his game. Bryson DeChambeau. He's actually bulked up uh, during the quarantine, or actually over the really the last eight months. He's put on an extra 20 pounds of muscle. And he's hitting longer drives, I guess, maybe in part because of that. uh, He hit a 367-yard drive at the recent last weekend Charles Schwab Challenge. And, um, you know, my longest drive ever – is probably 307, about 60 yards short of that. And that was uh, maybe just by accident, perhaps. <laughs> so uh, he's getting healthier and stronger and and been uh, doing this training uh, as a kind of a lifestyle change over the last, uh, you know, eight months. And he says he used to wake up every single morning feeling terrible because abs weren't working. Um, he was feeling stiff when he got out of bed. So now his routine is he plays golf and then he sees working out in the evening as his way of kind of getting rid of some of those aches and pains, fixing those. And he's looking at nutrition as well. You know, important to eat right. He does this, does this uh, two to one ratio of carbs to protein, which works for him. Also, he walks eight miles every day. It's about two rounds of 18 holes of golf. If you walk all those as well, his average driving distance on the golf course right now on the PGA tour is 323.8, which would break the single season record, For the PGA, my average, about 223, about 100 yards short of that. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't played golf in probably about a year and a half or two years because I've been busy uh, running and doing other activities, busy uh, with life as a father and a husband, and uh, looking forward to celebrating Father's Day with my family in just a few days. And, uh, you know, when it comes to golf, And uh, with everything going on in the world today, uh, last week during the first PGA Tour event back after having several months of not having it because of uh, COVID-19, at 8.46 a.m. every day last week during that PGA Tour event, they had a moment of silence uh, in remembrance of George Floyd as we continue to pray for uh, everybody across the nation uh, that we can create some real change in the midst of all this. Turning now to my uh, conversation with uh, Mark Immelman, who uh, is now in his 19th season at Columbus State University here in Columbus, Georgia. He is now the director of golf, took over that role about five years ago at CSU. He hosts his own podcast at PGATour.com called On the Mark, has contributed a lot of articles, written even some e-books, one called Scandalously Simple, The Easy Way to Accurate Golf Shots. He is a Columbus State alumnus where he had uh, quite a career, was named a three-time All-American golfer, helped the Cougars to two national championships in 1992 and 94. now is enshrined in the Columbus State Athletic Hall of Fame. He, uh, After graduating, he became a professional golfer, then uh, briefly a sports agent. And uh, even back in 1998, he returned home to South Africa, you're going to love his accent, to open his own golf academy in his hometown of Somerset West. He is now a uh, broadcaster for PGA Tour and CBS Sports. You will hear him this weekend and and coming PGA events as well. He uh, does a great job as a broadcaster and uh, still has his role at Columbus State, where they've won a pair of championships under Embleman capturing the 2007 and 2016 titles. The uh, Lady Cougars, the women's golf team, also featured in a national poll for the first time in program history last year. So he's doing a great job with that. And he's in Hilton Head, South Carolina, the home of the, the next event, the RBC Heritage and uh, that tournament, uh, where we, we did have uh, some slight audio difficulties the first few minutes of this conversation. So, uh, hopefully, uh, you will forgive me for that, but it definitely improves a few minutes in. But here's, uh, here's what uh, we had to talk about with Coach Mark Emmelman. I'd like to uh, welcome a Coach and uh, PGA and CBS analyst Mark Emmelman to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: It's great to be with you, Jason. Um, you know, I obviously live in Columbus, and I'm a big fan of what you guys do, and I'm a big fan of you, and, and getting to come alongside with you on your podcast is is a thrill for me. Thanks for inviting me, man.
1: Absolutely, I, and I know you were in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas last weekend, the Charles Schwab Challenge won by Daniel Berger, and now this weekend you are in uh, South Carolina, Hilton Head. You are a traveling man now that golf is a uh, Back on post uh, pandemic, or is still during the coronavirus pandemic. So, first of all, before we get into kind of talking about you and your history and and your uh, adventurous life, um, wh- I, you know, what's it like to have golf finally back after several months of of no tournaments at all?
0: You know what it feels kind of like putting on that old comfortable pair of jeans, Jason. Um, it's been a while since I had a weekend off, and so I was enjoying the lockdown, I'm enjoying being with family, obviously. I wish them, people wouldn't have to go through the trials and tribulations of this whole thing. But, but, but for me, it was a blessed time and, and it was a time of sort of recharging the batteries. But to be back on the road now and to be back on the PGA Tour and, and to be back in the game, um, that's sort of my DNA. So, so back at it, is, it, it, feels, it feels normal. It feels natural. There's the the, environment, the circumstances are slightly different, but, but largely it's, it's, it, it's me back doing what I'm I guess I was encoded to do.
1: Uh, speaking of kind of some of the changes, you know golf now you know we're having these PGA Tour tournaments finally, and you're out there broadcasting. There's no fans on the course, um, um, some people including yourself having to wear masks or social distancing. so tell us about some of these changes and what it I mean is this maybe a new normal for quite a while you think for golf?
0: It's a really good question. Um, I actually spoke with someone today, one of the media officials from the PGA Tour and I was like you know this could be the new normal everyone is saying we wish we get back to what was normal but who knows if what was normal then will be normal in the future so i don't know what the future holds um right now as you mentioned the masks are a big deal especially within the team compound um they're operating with a limited crew which is obviously to try and keep people distanced from each other as far as possible and um, interviews are different you're not right next to the player and and my role on the golf course as an on-course announcer is I'm pretty well removed from the players. You know, I'll, I'll talk to them periodically, but you don't go into real close proximity with them because they're in their office. So for me, it's not that much different. And for the players, really, it doesn't seem that much different either. It's just no fans, so they don't have the, the ambient noise and, and, and the, the the crowd response and the adrenaline rushes that people have from um, a great shot hit and the crowd's going wild so from that point of view it's different but you know a lot it's roots it's still golf and, and the guy who plays the best and shoots the lowest score still wins so for those guys they're doing what they did when they were youngsters and in college and that sort of deal and you know, now they're just doing it for lots of money and prestigious prizes just with no fans watching
1: yeah, it's definitely an interesting look, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the uh, the new look of golf and uh, your brother winning the Masters years ago and faith and fitness. But first of all, I wanted to get to know you a little bit, uh, Coach Immelman. Uh, first of all, uh, what is your, you know, I, I gave a little description of, of your life and history, but what is your job description when it comes to work and at home? I guess there's there's a lot of things there, right? <laughs>
0: Uh, work first and foremost. I'm the director of golf um, and head golf coach at Columbus State University. You know, i I bleed red, white, and blue. I went to Columbus State or Columbus College back in the early '90s, and then came back to CSU as the head coach in 2001, and I've been there since. So that's job number one. Uh, job number two is I'm an analyst and a, a um, on-course announcer for CBS Sports. I'm also an analyst for CBS Sports HQ and. Um, I do a lot of work there, and then I host a podcast of mine, a PGA Tour podcast called "On the Mark." And then, and then I guess I'm, I'm dad and uh, dad and husband. <laughs> you know, those are the those are the priorities for me. So I'm husband to Tracy and and father to Isabel and Sophia.
1: Yes, they keep you busy. What what are their ages of your daughters? I've
0: got 12 and 8 right now. and Isabel's 12 and Sophia is 8
1: we'll pray for you that you know that that no boyfriends for a long time (laughs) Uh um so uh i know that you are you know a former professional golfer but how you know nowadays how do you stay physically fed especially being on the road so much
0: as far as possible you know it's difficult at times with some of the strange hours you know well what broadcast hours can be like and a lot of folks sort of just see the television show and they think of well that's the job but There's a lot of um, pre-broadcast research work that's done and pre-broadcast rehearsal and post-broadcast things, so I try as far as possible to get into the gym when I can. Um, If I'm in the hotel room, I'll do, you know, things like planks and push-ups and when I I'm not the greatest runner in the world, I I know you are, but I don't I don't enjoy running. So <laughs> I'll, I'll get on the bike in the gym, I'll get on the treadmill in the gym, but but largely I'm just trying to stay mobile and, and pliable as far as possible because I'm 50 years young and things are beginning to tighten up. So so I lift my own body weight and, and and do some stretches and such. So so that typically is the regimen. I, I try to do it daily, and um, sadly I fail at that endeavor uh, more often than not.
1: Um, Do you have a uh, spiritual motto or something that you live by in terms of your faith?
0: Apart from, you know, doing unto others as you'd like them to do unto you uh, and putting Jesus first and everything, I I would say my motto always has been onwards and upwards. You know, life has been, life is a a journey for everybody and and you can choose to live in the yesterday or choose to live in today or tomorrow. And so, Things are going to happen, so I'm just always of the mindset that, you know, stuff happens despite your best in, um, efforts and interests at times, so I'm just, you know, keeping my head forward, keeping my eyes to the horizon, you know, just always trying to go forwards, always trying to go onwards, and and always aspiring and striving for more.
1: That's, that's a good lesson for everybody, and the last of the fast four is, um, what is something unique about Mark Immelman?
0: <laughs> well, I guess... um <laughs> Being South African-American is probably the most unique thing about me. I'm just really a golf guy um, who loves sports. My husband and father like a lot of guys and listening to this. And, and, and I, I love the outdoors, but the most unique thing to, about me is probably my weird sounding accent over here in the United States. And that's because I was born in South Africa. Now, I became an American citizen in 2016, so I'm South African-American.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, people love your accent. So, you know, they, maybe they, they, they ask you, where are you from? I'm sure a lot of times, right?
0: I tell them Columbus, Georgia. And, then they're like, really? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I've lived in Columbus, Georgia, counting college. And now that's, what, um, 19 and 5, about 24 years in Columbus, Georgia. So I count myself a, a Columbusite.
1: So so as a South African native, do you say y'all at all very much?
0: <laughs> I use y'all in texts. I just don't make it sound as cool as you do. <laughs>
1: Uh, and, and speaking of growing up in South Africa, h- how did you get started in the game of golf? I mean, was it uh, early on as a kid or later in life?
0: It was sheer serendipity, really. Um, you know, I was play- I played all sports and I was pretty successful at, at at cricket, which is our version of baseball, and I was a decent tennis player, and and um, then I got badly injured in a rugby uh, accident because I'm a small guy, and and my college. Oh, no, sorry, pardon me, my primary school my elementary school whatever you call it over here it was, i was basically in about the, i was about 13 years old and my coach came to my parents and said he's too small to play um you should even though he's good you should find something else for him to do because it was a pretty horrific wrist injury i had and and so i just when the cast had come off my arm a number of my friends were going to the golf course it was like the summer vacation and they were just messing around there so they invited me and in. So I went along, and um, the proverbial bug bit, and you know, that was at age 13. And here yeah, I'm 49 and holding, and, and, and golf has blessed me abundantly. So it's, as I say, there was a whole lot of serendipity and, 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 and blessing in it.
1: Yeah, almost four decades. It's, it's, a, it's a great co- golf career so far overall.
0: I mean, yeah, and that's, you know, to look back, you say four decades, I'm like, holy cow, (laughs) because it's been so long, because I feel young, and I feel young at heart, and, you know, every day, every day on a golf course, and every day at a PGA Tour event, and every day at a college event is a new day, that's the beauty about golf, and you play, unlike basketball, or baseball, or tennis, or football, uh, everything you play is on a different size court, or field, or course, or whatever you want to call it, so, and and you play outdoors, so the weather's changing, the emotions change. So every day in golf is different, and no matter how hard you've worked, and so I, I guess it, it stays fresh because of that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And after graduating from uh, what's now known as Columbus State University in Georgia, you became a pro golfer. I think briefly as well a few years as a sports agent. But so so how and why did you become a coach? Because I know that's your kind of your main um, thing now.
0: Again, I, I guess it was just. God, had his hand on my life to say, "Look, this is how you're supposed to be." It turns out that my dad had said to me when I was a kid, like four or five, I'd said I wanted to become a teacher. So lo and behold, um, you know, when the playing sort of ceased and uh, when I realized the agency world wasn't for me, you know, golf teaching and golf instruction was the next thing. And I'd always been interested about the inner workings of the game and the golf swing, and so. It was a natural fit and and lo and behold, I professed over myself at age five or six or whatever it was that I was gonna be a teacher. So I turned I turned into a teacher for sports not someone who talks about it so isn't that crazy (laughs) yeah
1: exactly do all the above exactly and you've coached Mm. um i know so far you've coached two masters champions larry mize and then a decade later you had your younger brother trevor emelman who got the green jacket so you know um a lot of people may want to know what was it like being the brother and coach of trevor there in augusta back in 2008 being with him and just so exciting i'm sure
0: Oh, Absolutely. Well, just for context, first off, I didn't, I wasn't Larry's coach when he we ran back in 87. Um, I was, I, I was a 17 year old boy watching him on television right then. And yeah. a funny story because I, I started working with Larry when he was 49 and just getting ready for the PGA Tour champions. And so I worked with him for about five years or so then. Um, and I remember saying to him, because at that stage, we didn't get much golf on television where I was from. And my favorite, we got mostly European tour stuff. So my favorite golfer was Seve Ballesteros, oh. and I loved Greg Norman. And he here's Larry Myers, this little American guy who chipped in and knocked out my two heroes. So I wasn't the biggest Larry Myers fan <laughs> in the world. Back like in the 80s, got, at least. And behold, mm-hmm. I ended up, his golf instructor many moons later, and I shared that story with him, and he found it quite funny. And again, it was just a lesson in, in sort of, you know, you never know what the future holds, and you've just got to keep going forwards. But, but back to 2008, um, you know, looking back, it, it was a tremendously emotional sort of thing, and and I had never really gone that far in my dreams. I mean, even though it was my brother winning and I was, you know, helping him with his game, as a young person, you dream about this sort of stuff, but oftentimes they're just dreams, but never ever did I consider that, hold on, I'd, I'd coach a major champion, and um, you know, to watch him win was a thrill, it's the thrill of a lifetime, it's It'll go with me to my grave. And um, to watch him put on that green jacket on the ceremony afterwards was—it still brings tears to my eyes. And and to hear him announced a major champion, and to and to see him take his place in the game was just so moving and so rewarding. I mean, it's it's actually when when you think back on the whole thing, it's 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 still kind of beyond my understanding. To be really honest with you.
1: Yeah, and I know I heard your voice in the broadcast last weekend from Texas. But Trevor was one of the broadcasters, I believe, with Tiger, Phil, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. Is that right? You got to enjoy some of that action with your brother, kind of calling some shots, right?
0: Yeah, he's trying to take my job, No, I'm just kidding with you. He's, he's Trevor's tremendously insightful. Um, he's obviously um, at the tail end of his playing career. Um, he's in his early, I think, he's forty or early forties right now, and. And he speaks well, he's insightful, he understands the game well, and he's able to to turn a phrase certainly, but also able to be concise in the description of stuff. And so uh, I think he'll really excel at this whole broadcast thing, but the truth of it is he's excelled in everything he's done, so it wouldn't be that surprising to me.
1: See, I'm sure see, the South African accent doesn't hurt. See, it might, it might help you in this <laughs> career, right? <laughs> yeah, it,
0: adds, it adds like 10 IQ points. I know this for a fact.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, I know that you have a strong Christian faith, like you said, Jesus first. So how does that for you shape your coaching, your mentoring, even, you know, your broadcast career as well?
0: It's changed me as a coach, to be honest with you. I mean, when I started at Columbus States in 2001, I was kind of dictatorial, and there were goals to be achieved, and it was happening at um, with, with no real concern for what the cost might be. You know, but as I've grown up in my faith, and as I've you know understood and matured, and and grown spiritually, I've I've take, I've adopted more of a a mentor or sort of a role with young men, and I've realized that they develop their development as people and as upstanding young men and as hopefully Christian men is more important than the score they sign on the scorecard. So I would say in the uh, the biggest way it's impacted me has been that way uh, in terms of being in the broadcast industry. And it's it's sort of my mission field, to be really honest with you. Um, a lot of folks go off to places like Haiti and Central Africa and wherever you might go. Um, India, you know, my mission field now is the PGA tour and the television compound. And, and I just try to live out my faith through action and i try to uh, just try to you know sort of show the love of jesus i guess is is, is what what my main goal is and, and then hopefully people will ask why i'm like this and then i'll get to tell them my story so uh, it's I, I firmly believe i am where i am right now because it is uh, it, it is my mission field
1: and golf is such a, a mental game. So, for you, you know, what are in you know, your three or four decades of being a part of the game, what are some life and faith lessons that we can get from the game of golf? Maybe whether we're amateurs or, or the pros?
0: Yeah, uh, golf for me is almost like a microcosm of life. I mean, you could have worked your buns off and then things just won't, won't work out. And so, golf will show you a healthy do- dose of adversity. And you've got to be spiritually connected to something bigger than yourself to be able to deal with the stuff at times, because otherwise it'll get you down. Because the winning percentage in golf is low, you know, even for the great champions. Um, So I'd say that was number one. And number two, you know, golf requires a continual renewal of your mind. Every day is a new day. Despite what happened yesterday, you have a chance to, you know, sort of redefine yourself. And so that's very much a Christian principle. Did you wake up with a good attitude and you get back to work and you work with a purpose and and you try and do the right things, you know, to hopefully have success? But then at the end of the day, don't define yourself by your success. Define yourself by who you are, what you did, you know, what your belief system is and such, and you just keep sort of wincing and repeating. So I guess, you know, right off the top of my head, those would be the two biggest takes I'd have in, uh, with regard to your question.
1: That's well said, and, and you got to almost renew your mind, Almost after every shot or every hole in the game of golf, <laughs> at
0: least. Mm, so true. I mean, it, 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 people might sort of think it's trite but the truth of it is that golf is ultimately a, a mental and emotional game, and, and just life is the same sort of thing. You know, you, you can, You. I've seen people with limited physical skill achieve because they've been emotionally and mentally well connected and have had their priorities in, in the correct place. Then I've seen folks with massive skill that, haven't achieved what they could have, maybe not should have, but could have, I think what what it boils down to is you've just got to eventually come to grips with who you are and understand what your ceiling is. And so then set your goals accordingly. And then do your best. And if it doesn't work out, don't get a bad attitude about it. Just keep on doing the right thing. Because if you keep on doing the right thing, I firmly believe that eventually you'll get your modicum of success, whatever that might be. Yeah.
1: And we talked about how, you know, this is back-to-back weekends for you, uh, broadcasting at golf tournaments, kind of having that slim amount of time at home. And so, you know, with with that job and being uh, the golf director at Columbus State University and, and the, the podcast, um, how do you find time to balance all that with also focusing on being a good husband and, and father? Because we've got Father's Day coming up. You know, this Sunday you'll be working, you know.
0: Yeah, I've got a very understanding life, Tracy, Um uh, but but th- I think the main thing for me, Jason, is just to be present wherever I am. And, uh, and especially when I'm home, you know, not to let the cell phone grab my attention and not to let television or whatever it is grab my attention. You know, when I'm home, I need to ha- be where my feet are. And when I'm on the golf course at a PGA Tour event, I need to be there. I can't be living with my mind at home, even though I might miss them tremendously. So, so the main thing for me is just to be completely where I am present i need to be present on the scene and and just make the most of every opportunity
1: and as you know golf is returning uh, have you heard from you know other dads guys that you know fans about golf being back you know especially for this holiday weekend kind of what that what that means to to golf fans
0: um, I haven't heard much since it came back. I mean, a few folks have texted me and said they enjoyed the show. Um, a few folks texted me with some critique of my performance, my oh, dear friends. No. Um, <laughs> my dear friends. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think... I think it's something bigger than all of us right now. And I, I think some of the players on the tour realize this.
1: We were talking earlier about your brother, Trevor, winning the Masters golf tournament uh, more than a decade ago. And you were there and his coach. Um, any other favorite golf moments stick out for you as maybe either as a broadcaster, player, or coach that in your you know 35 years as part of the game?
0: There are many. Um, one's that sort of pop into my mind quickly i guess i was on hand and um, working for the pga 12 when tiger won at east lake a couple of seasons ago when he had you know the big return to glory before the masters so he was at east lake over there and my oldest daughter isabel which was was with me on the, the sunday and and so sometimes she comes along she loves to come to the events and she acts like a spotter for me so she's with me and she basically just looks at you know, down the fairway and points out who's where and, and who's going to play first. And sometimes, if she's able to, she gets me yardages. And so we were on the 18th hole there, and Tiger was coming down the fairway, playing alongside Rory McIlroy. And um, they've hit their second shots. And I'm up, up at the green, and you're looking back up this fairway. It's an iconic East Lake is an iconic venue, and and you, the fairway sort of above where we were. And folks coming behind Tiger like they do at the Open Championship. And uh, there were sort of this, the mass of people were behind him as they were walking down the fairway. And all of a sudden, the folks farther down the fairway were like, well, we want some of this. So they started streaming over the ropes and basically just engulfed folks. And when this happened, and everyone up the green where we were, did the same thing. So I grabbed Isabel and I held her in front of me and we were probably 20 paces off the green. And folks basically ran all the way up to the edge of the green. Tiger and Rory made their way through there. We were here. I remember Isabel looking at me going, Why are they doing this, Daddy? But just the emotion of the whole thing and the folks just celebrating the, the return of Tiger and, and the grace that the fans showed him was, was, was mind numbing for me. And then when he won, the place just went bananas and, and everyone erupted. And, it was, and driving home from Atlanta that evening back to Columbus, you know, Isabel and I, we reminisced about the thing for the entire journey. So it moved her and it certainly moved me. So I think just right off the top of my head, being there for that experience was was a real special one.
1: And so appropriate, uh, that, that father-daughter bonding moment mm-hmm. with Father's Day coming up uh, just a few days from now. Um, on this podcast, on Run the Race, we also talk about fitness because it's so important to be, you know, spiritually and physically fit. Um, in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, you know, you've, we've had gyms closed. We've had no golf tournaments. So for the folks that you know, uh, or maybe even the amateur and pro golfers, how, how have you seen people stay fit when they're, you know, not that you can't access things you normally can access?
0: A lot of the uh, PGA Tour professionals began like what was a peloton league almost, you know, where they had their peloton backs at home and they were all challenging each other and and Rory McIlroy was like the alpha dog and they'd all to get together in peloton classes and basically challenge each other in this virtual environment. So I saw a lot of that sort of thing and I saw a lot of, you know, Zoom yoga classes. One of my colleagues and the CBS, Amanda Baleonis was leading a Zoom uh, yoga class. So so folks were getting virtual with this sort of stuff, but a lot of it was, you know, doing as much as you could inside the house, whether it was yoga or getting on a bike or, or just doing some jumping jacks in, in place. And but the main thing for the golfers, all the guys I spoke with, you know, they were you're not trying to play hit golf shots into a net. You know, for the folks who had simulators at home they'd use that. And then we just work on flexibility, you know, remaining mobile and flexible is one of the most important things to a golfer, especially someone who plays the game competitively. So there was a lot of that going on too.
1: And flexibility is so important for, for all athletes and runners like myself as well. So any yoga mm-hmm. for you? Are you are you a our yoga guy, you and
0: Tracy? I <laughs> wish I could tell who I was, but I'm not. No, um, I... I, I, I'm a bad stretcher. You know, I will go to the gym and lift weights and do that sort of stuff, and then I'll complain about being sore afterwards, and <laughs> then I'll go back to the gym. So maybe one day, yeah, as I advance into my early 50s, I'll wise up and, and stretch some more.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with fitness, there seems to be a transformation, whereas uh, back in, you know, years ago or decades ago, it was unusual for, you know, golfers to work out and, and lift weights or whatever. Now it seems to be the norm. Um, do you think that that's – I mean – it's, it's a good trend, or you think that helps having more cardio or even more weight training for golfers?
0: Um, well, the thing golfers listening to this need to realize is that you might get very fit, but it won't necessarily help your golf score. You know, you still got to have the skill of hitting the golf ball in a desired manner. Um, but if you get in shape, it's just going to be increased well-being. Um, so you're adding days to your life, which is a good deal. So, so whether you're playing competitively or whether you're playing club golf, I don't see any reason why one shouldn't work out. Um, you'll feel better. Uh, you'll, your mind will be clearer. Your days will be longer. Um, there's, there's just a massive upside to it. And, and once you get into it, then it becomes part of your daily regimen. So it may replace something that was a bit more detrimental. So I, I just, I, I can't fathom someone not working on their overall physical well-being.
1: Is there such a thing as too much muscle for, like, a golfer when you're trying to be, I guess, lean and, and swinging the golf club?
0: Um, no, as long as you remain mobile. Um, if you look at athletes at the highest level, they're, they're very muscle-bound, but they're lethe and they're flexible and they're still very mobile. So, no, if you bulk up and you lose your mobility, it'll hurt your golf swing. But if you get strong and you remain lean and uh, you remain mobile, you'll actually do yourself favors. I mean... Look at Rory McElroy. He's probably the prototypical version thereof right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I did some research. I talked to one of your former golfers from Columbus State University, Chris Kendrick, and he mentioned no, something. He mentioned something to me about uh, you ordering 6 a.m. bear crawls during college team workouts. What can you <laughs> tell? What can you tell me about that? It was was that during your uh, uh, your dictatorship days? <laughs>
0: Uh, I still do that with them. Um, I just have someone else do it. <laughs> so the, the order of the directive is not coming straight out of my mouth. Um, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff there was also just to teach the golfers the the mindset of overcoming. Because if you, if you do anything, especially golf, you're going to have to overcome some tough times. And so getting into the, the, having the presence of mind to be able to dig in and, and survive through situations like that, it's, it's like... That, that's what's required so there was some of that mental testing and, and and strengthening up that was going on with that but then it's also an overall body strengthening thing and and with chris when he was our trainer he would advise a lot of this sort of stuff and i would just enforce it
1: yeah <laughs> there you go and it's like i don't know if you've seen the movie facing the giants where he's he's uh, mm. crouching down doing the bear crawl with somebody on top of him and it's the i guess it's showing people they can do maybe more than they thought they could do right
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, we are our own worst enemies and oftentimes, sadly, and I see this a lot, we impose our own ceilings upon ourselves and the human being, all of us, everybody within earshot of this podcast has got more in them than what they think they do. And if you just get outside of your comfort zone, you'll start to access those extra gears. So yes, absolutely, there's more in this.
1: And you know, being well-rounded is good. And Chris also told me one other thing that you used to play in a band. So, are you a are you musically talented as a singer, guitar player? You
0: still do that? I wouldn't say I'm talented. I I can't hold a notes. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was a percussionist. so I was at the back of the band. Ah. I wasn't a foreground full, uh, full sort of a guy. I, I can keep time, which is probably why I turned into a decent golfer because of the rhythm and mm-hmm. and. The ability to move my extrem- extremities at different times and different cadences. So, so, so that was that was my exposure to music. I <laughs> love it. I, I'm a huge fan of music. But you know, playing the piano, I can tinkle on the keys. I cannot play the guitar, and I certainly cannot sing.
1: And but one of your talents now is broadcasting. And um, so you you made that transition from golf and golf coach still still coaching. But the transition now one of your main jobs is as a broadcaster for CBS and PGA. Mm -hmm. And also your podcast on the mark. What's that been like for you being you know, in front of the camera behind the mic and, and learning how to just be yourself and, and because I mean, you're talking about a game that you love.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, at its essence, that's what it is. And, you know, I I aspire to be like the great voices of the game, but the truth of it is um, I, I've got some great advice from a gentleman called Bill Rosinski, who used to be the voice of the Falcons, and then he moved to Charlotte, and he was the voice of the Carolina Panthers. And he said to me, he goes, Mark, and all the advice, advice you get, just realize you can only do you. And so for me, I keep on reminding myself of that. I keep on reminding myself that I have experiences in the game and I have insights that are worthwhile because I'm operating in a land of giants right now. If you think of, I saw a picture of myself where CBS had done these shows during the the lockdown and they were doing these Zoom re-airs. And they took a picture of all the folks that were doing these and there there was me in a Zoom image and I was alongside Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and Jim Nance and, and, and just these, these, these titans of our industry. And I looked at this going, really? And um, so I have to continually to convince myself that I'm worthy. Um, and then I've got to continually remind myself that I'm South African deep down. And we tend to go fast when we speak. And my accent and the cuteness thereof will wear off quickly if people cannot understand what I'm saying. So I've got to continually work on slowing my pace down and enunciating my words properly. So, you know, the, the broadcast thing has been, it's been a godsend and um, I marvel at it. And it, to me, it's completely indicative of the United States that if you come over here and, you know, you work hard and you get a break or two, you know, anything's kind of possible, really. If, if you really dig in and you throw yourself into everything you do
1: and you've been doing that on the mark podcast for um three or four years now and up to now more than 400 episodes very impressive i listened to one recently uh, i was telling you uh, with uh, one of your uh, a broadcast pioneer one of the best ever jim nance so what's that mm-hmm. like i mean you get to work alongside him as well you know with these golf tournaments i mean being there with a legend is that you kind of just learn from him or just you're friends with him
0: I'm thankful that I get to call him a friend because he's probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met and he's just so humble and he's such a professional at what he does and he's got so much time for everybody, which I appreciate. You know, he's he's not a respecter of titles and, and, you know, the conversation was tremendously insightful because my podcast is basically directed to a place where I'm trying to um, expose people around the world to the great minds in, in the game. And, and I've been thankful to have a lot of really intelligent and smart and successful folks on there. And I just want them to talk and, and share insights to help folks to do better golf. And so I said to Jim, I want to uh, basically describe the essence of a champion because he's been around so many in the broadcast booth and talking to them. So he texted me back and he said to me, Mark, if it's important to you that I come on, I will do it. And just his response to that speaks of the kind of man that he is, that, that, that because he realized it was important that I had him on his show, he was happy to do it at my convenience, which was, I just thought was, was just so cool.
1: It's very cool, very cool, and I appreciate you being on with us today as well. One last question for you. Um, I know growing up in South Africa, and you've been in America for a long time now, uh, a citizen officially for the last three or four years. Uh, tell me about, you know, you know, when you see the protests going on, the police brutality and race relations, um, what do, you know, uh, from, from your vantage point, how are you seeing all this, or how are golfers seeing all this, because I know there's been quite a few that have spoken out about it.
0: i think if you're in the position to to, and and you have a voice that has a platform it's worthwhile to say something you know i'm from south africa and we have a a tarnished history you know with apartheid that was going on over there but you know there was there were people that believed in reform and then we were thankful to have a guy like nelson mandela who 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 was freed and then there was a great leader in fw de Klerk who was the president at the time and he released mandela and basically um established the first general election and mandela was voted president and it was a peaceful changeover and and the one thing mandela did was he talked about the rainbow nation in south africa and he got the team at that he got the country at that time to unite behind the south african rugby team who were competing in the world cup in 1995. and i never forget you' even just talking about the rainbow nation and we were people of many colors and many creeds, and many beliefs, that we all stood behind a common goal. And South Africa won the World Cup, and it unified the country. And, um, and so thankfully, uh, you know, it's not that sport was the unifier, and there were still people that had their differences, but it proved to me that if people get behind um, a common vision, that anything is possible, no matter who's where and how. No matter what the color of our skin is, we're all created in God's perfect image. And so um, I'm hopeful, That uh, that that things will continue to improve and that people will listen to each other because you know it's it's one thing to just you know spout these beliefs and such but you've got to be able to believe, listen to someone and then take prepare to put yourself on their side of the equation, not just point fingers at each other and 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 sort of tell each other what they're doing wrong. So I'm hopeful, I'm prayerful, um, and I'm confident because America can do anything. This country and the people in this country can do whatever they set their minds to. So I'm confident. That things will start to move in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely I'm glad to see that we're having this dialogue about change, and, and change is happening. I, I had the pleasure of going to Africa for the first time last summer on a mission trip uh, with a local ministry. We went to Malawi, Kenya, and then we had uh, a layover where I got to go to Johannesburg for about a half a day mm-hmm. and go to the statue, so uh very impressive place where you're from.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so cool, but you know, deep down, it's it's just the same as anywhere else. The people, you know, trying to get ahead in life. The people trying to live with each other. The people trying to understand each other. The are people trying to tolerate each other, <laughs> and they're people trying to excel, trying to excel just like it is over here. So, you know, we might sound different. We might have different f- things that we do after hours, but but really we're still human beings. And, we, and 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 whether we're American or South African or British or whatever, you know, we still bleed red, and we still need to be understanding and loving of each other
1: yeah well said well uh speaking of excelling uh good luck godspeed at the rbc heritage in hilton head south carolina where there's a i think a total purse of more than seven million dollars a lot of players out there wanting (laughs) to win some of that money so uh thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today mark
0: it was my pleasure jason you take care of yourself
1: thank you too And we really appreciate Mark Immelman taking time out of his busy schedule as a uh, broadcaster and a PGA and CBS analyst to uh, talk to us uh, while he was in uh, South Carolina. And uh, I found an article he wrote because he's a, he's a very accomplished writer as well. He talks about the power of positive thought, how that's a phenomenon on and off the golf course. And he says, you know, it's about choosing to remember the putts made instead of the putts missed and taking that holistic approach to instruction, coaching, mentoring, and, and life itself. And that's, that's a, you know, a good lesson in life as well. Remember the good times. Remember the things you accomplished, not focusing on the negative. Now turning to our final segments of this Run the Race podcast, again, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, all kinds of things. And we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast as well. Uh, here's a little uh, food for thought. And Coach Mark Embleman was talking a little bit about that Peloton and uh, the uh, the biking competitions going on with uh, PGA golfers. And uh, that's the case because just recently ESPN held what they call it a Peloton All-Star Ride. And, uh, you know, because we haven't had many sporting events, so you got to do something, right? Well, you had Rory McIlroy. Uh, obviously, um, he's uh, royalty on the golf course and, and Peloton. You had Steph Curry, uh, all-star basketball player, Olympic track and field athlete Colleen Quigley, who actually won the women's ride results for this event. And uh you know it's it's got widespread popularity, and so ESPN decided to do this interactive exercise bike company idea to create this unique event. So they pulled together an a an list of athletes for some friendly competition and uh, given the timing of the event, Peloton actually uh, got the athletes involved by agreeing to donate one million meals to the food bank of New York City if they could deliver enough uh, output on their bikes, which they did indeed. Uh, Peloton definitely has become more popular during the pandemic because gyms have been closed for several months and people looking for any kind of way to work out at home. And on the women's ride results, the winner, again, like I said, Colleen Quigley and LPGA star Morgan Pressel. She actually got second place out of the women. Olympian Allison Felix uh, closing out the top eight. And in the men's side of things, there was a lot of trash talking going on. But in the end, four-time Olympic medalist and swimmer Matt Greaves uh, won the men's division. Nobody else really stood a chance. He had Celtics uh, star Gordon Hayward coming in second. Booger McFarlane who reports for ESPN and the SEC Network, former star football player. He came in third. Then you got McElroy, Mike Golick Jr., another golfer, Bubba Watson, and closing out the top eight, another PGA star, Justin Thomas doing great on the bike turning now to the uh, faith side of things for food for thought uh, of course we have uh, no masters golf tournament this past April hopefully we will in the fall but uh, you know uh, the most important day in the Christian calendar it is Easter falls in April as well and it's really kind of coincided with the end of the masters on several years uh, in fact, Arnold Palmer won his first green jacket on Easter Sunday, 1958. Gary Player, the first international champion, he claimed the second of his three wins at the Masters on Easter Day, 1974. Jack Nicklaus becoming the first player to defend the Masters successfully on Easter Monday in 1966 after an 18-hole playoff. But according to this article by Mail Online, nobody really has an Easter story quite like two-time Masters champ Bernard Langer. So, you know, it was 1985, and it was in the final round. He looked up at the leaderboard, and he exclaimed on live television, he said, quote, Jesus Christ, I'm leading the Masters by four shots. Well, sometime later, the German would say that he was maybe the first one, the first sports athlete, to take the Lord's name in vain live on TV But back then, he really didn't know any different. It was just the same. So before the final round on Easter Sunday, the former choir boy, who was raised Catholic, he actually went and attended a Bible study class. And that really kind of began a journey of faith for him back in the 1980s that's continued to this day. And he had the winning putt on Easter Sunday in 1993, winning his second Masters championship. So now his focus when it comes to golf, and it has been for years now, is he wanted to win to celebrate the Lord's name. And uh, it's, it's common nowadays, but he may have been the first on, on live TV to uh, give praise to God when he won the Masters and uh, giving thankful words at the end of that. Bubba Watson uh, also winning on Easter Sunday the Masters years ago, and uh, he uh, also giving glory to God. In our parting gift for today, a, a twofer, uh, a couple of interesting uh, motivational quotes or funny ones from a few golfers. Uh, the first one from uh, Lee Trevino, he said, you don't know what pressure is until you play for five bucks with only two bucks in your pocket. <laughs> so uh, be careful what you, uh, what you gamble, I guess. And Tiger Woods, all of you know him, uh, he said, no matter how good you get, You can always get better, and that's the exciting part. So you always have more in you, as uh, Coach Mark Immelman told us in our conversation today as well. Closing out in prayer, dear God, uh, again, thank you for this opportunity to just talk about you, uh, talk about fitness, talk about just being better people overall. Uh, We just thank you. um, I thank you for the opportunity to be a father to my two wonderful uh, kids, Olivia and Zachary, uh, that, uh, That the pleasure I have to be able to be their father you've entrusted trusted them to me uh and and my wife Shanna, and uh just God just thank thank uh, you know for you to be our father and for uh leading us in every single way God just help us to be uh better uh, spouses to be better parents to be better coworkers and friends and uh, mentors to people. And uh, God, just help us along the way. And and we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray for safety amidst the protests and COVID-19. And uh, we just thank you for this opportunity for sports to be back as well. You name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. We're closing in on 30 episodes. And uh, Mark Immelman on the On the Mark uh, podcast, he has more than 400. So I'll get there one day, maybe several years from now. So uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Make sure to uh, write a quick five-star review if you like this uh, episode and others at the bottom of the Apple podcast page. And we uh, really uh, would enjoy that so we can keep this thing going. And uh, again, thank you so much. Have a great rest of the week.